great to be back in Morgantown again. It's so fun to come here. I just came from uh, Kingsville, Texas on the, on the bay, on the Gulf. It's somewhere by water uh, and not far from Corpus Christi where I was at another great Chi Alpha group like yours. Oh, so much fun. And before that, I was in San Angelo way out in West Texas and Lubbock and before that, Albuquerque and before that, Billings, Montana. And um, yeah, wow. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not, I just love it. I wish I could live forever, but that, that won't be the case for any of us. So, how are you going to live? What are you going to do with your life? At your age, uh, I thought I had it all figured out. I mean, my dad only went to eighth grade. So, we read the family Bible after supper, and then we knelt down by the at our kitchen table, on, at our chairs, and prayed, and Dad and Mom prayed forever. But I knew that they loved God, even though we always watched Dad start to read in the Bible. This is every supper, after supper every night. And the kids are pounding on the screen door in Wisconsin, where I'm from, and want, want me to play Sandlot baseball. And he said, you just go tell them we're having family altar. Said, what? <laughs> Your family devotions. We're going to meet with God. So God's not just sort of an appendix. God, any God wants to be everything and wants you to be loyal. And you all have a God or more. But the God that I serve created this universe and our scientific brilliance can only come up with big bang and I think just with a command, God could make the universe. And with the new James Webb telescope, we're discovering that it's just so infinite and so gorgeous, it's just indescribable. Have you been looking at the images from the new telescope? You know what I'm talking about? It's great, gigantic, great, big, and, a, and it unfolded perfectly, and it extended its life, I don't know how long, and it, it, everything worked out, and the, the, the fabric is a, is the thickness of the of, of your skin. I mean, and it costs billions. And you know what they're trying to do? Their ultimate goal? Find the origin of life. It's kind of like an intellectual tower of Babel. If you're a Christian, you know that uh, way back in the early of uh, humanity, according to our Christian Bible account, they tried to build a tower to get to heaven. And God said, uh, I'm not for that. And therefore, uh, he brought languages, and I have no idea how many thousand languages there are in this world today. I mean, that's just amazing in itself. So, but, but the beauty of what God created, which is infinite, is you, you need to look at these pictures of what the James Webb uh, telescope is revealing uh, when they uh, make it public. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Uh, the creativity, the majesty, the color, the I, I, I don't have words for it. But you see, as a follower of God, and as Jesus Christ, his son, my savior, my automatic response every time I see something like that is I say, that's my God. That's the God who created me in his image, 
and made every single one of us absolutely unique and special, everybody out of 7 billion people on earth, let alone every snowflake. Ever seen a computer? Have you ever seen on the Internet? Every snowflake is different. Uh, every sand, a grain of sand. I mean, it's just, let alone the uh, intricacy of your body. Wow. It's our God. And he wants to have, he wants to be your God, and he wants to be your friend. And he's the only God I can find in religions who died. And he died for you. And he died hard. And he suffered and, and, and the Bible says, the Christian Bible says, he had no sin, but he drank figuratively from a cup of the horror of evil and injustice and sin of humanity. Only God could do that. And he said, I don't want to do this. But he said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there is a real garden there, this is a historical figure, this isn't a myth or a fable. And he said, but not my will, Father, but your will be done. And that's where the victory took place for you and I. And so if you can grasp that and then experience that, realizing that you're far from God and you need a Savior, you need help. So they had these sacrifices in the Old Testament, as you know, and, and, and they had a whole variety of sacrifices that they put on an altar. And maybe some of you from some culture, cultures have seen uh, slaughtered animals, sacrifices put on altars. I have seen that in other countries other than the USA. And it's pretty gruesome. And there's a lot of flies. And it's pretty smelly. And it's really something to see. And I remember God speaking so clearly to me, and he said, I did that for you. That was a moment for me that maybe you haven't yet experienced. But you won't want to have Jesus come into your life until you realize that you're far from God, and there's something missing that you don't know how to fix. But he'll do that for you. He wants to do that for every man, woman, and child that's created in his image on this, on, this little, on this little tiny thing in the solar system called the earth. But he sees you and he hears you as if, as if seven billion people all prayed a prayer to God who's sitting on a throne called grace. Look up that word. As somebody comes along and a state trooper has pulled you over and pull up behind the police car and just walks up to the window by the policeman and says, I'll take that ticket. You deserve the ticket. He says, I'll, I'll take it. It's on me. That's grace. That's something that you didn't deserve. And he'll do that for you. And you can live that life called peace. Oh, does this world need peace? Well, so that's why we are up here. And if you don't quite understand the enthusiasm of these people, that's probably people that have experienced that grace. Because otherwise they look kind of crazy to you. But that's what's going on. So I just, I, 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 I didn't, I, I thought I could handle my life best on my own. That means I'm God. And it wasn't until about age 25 that it really dawned on me, you know, look, you're going nowhere. 
and you're not very happy, and you need some help. And I finally, a little reluctantly, but I did kneel and say, you are God, and I'll let you be God. And I've tried to live the rest of my life, and now I'm in my early 80s, and I'll soon see him face to face, because that's just how it is. And I have lived a life of no regrets. No regrets. And I want you to live the same life. In a dimension of fullness that you can't imagine. And in a life of adventure that you cannot even visualize. You see, are you ready? Some of you know it's coming. God's not boring. You are. Boy, that wasn't very much of a response. I don't come often enough. God's not boring. You are. It doesn't need to be that way. Okay, we'll go to the slide. Uh, So I live in Heidelberg, Germany. I just came over here for a few days, and I go back another week. And uh, I get the privilege of uh, sharing with uh, lots of people. And I live with a son who does similar stuff. He's in his middle 40s. And my home's a bedroom in his house. I got another uh, place in uh, the middle part of the United States. But my home is really, well, today, Morgantown. And that's just fine as me. And then I got another daughter who lives in Central Asia in a country called Kyrgyzstan. And then I have another daughter who uh, married a German guy because they grew up in Germany where I went in 1980. And uh, then I have a son who lives in Washington, D.C. And uh, I have two wonderful sons and daughters, and I'm so grateful that they love me and even more that they love the God that I love because each one has to make that decision on their own. For some ridiculous reason, God gave you free will. Isn't that dangerous? He's going to let you decide. That's called free will. You can say yes to God or no to God. That's up to you. But then you need to then say yes to God every moment because he wants to be truly your God. And that's the part that's the issue. And then I want to get to the slideshow and my time's going to run out. And that is called what I struggled with. And this is where some of you are at. Can I trust God? And the issue for me was trust. And it might be for you tonight. Because surely there's people here that are thinking about what I'm saying. But I thank you, God, that you're here. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And your Holy Spirit works deep within us to draw us to you. And I pray that these people will say yes. And that they will trust. I pray that trust and faith And somehow a light will come into our lives where there's darkness and we'll see like we've never seen before. And we'll discover that peace with you. And of all things, this incredible God turns the total world upside down. And and the Christian Bible says that, that he has a place called heaven and he says the streets there will be made of gold. 
the most, one of the most valuable minerals on this earth, and there you'll walk on it. And dogs will do something on it if there's dogs there. Right? That's the streets. That's upside down from the way we think. Right? That really is. But he says, I have gone there, and I am seated on a throne at the right hand of God the Father to be your advocate. I, because of what I have done, make it possible for you to be in this place of holiness and righteousness and purity because of what I've done on the cross, if you buy into that and say, Jesus, you're my Savior. And he says, I will be your advocate. I can't even, I can't even get my head around that. God? And then he said, I welcome you to come. Now, I might take you to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or uh, whatever is here, but he is inviting you to live with him forever. And that's where I'm headed. And it's full of a lot of people that go there every day. Or he loves you so much, he says, there's also a hell where I'm not. And he's loving enough to give you the option and let you know about it. So it's not a surprise. And he said, I'm building for you a mansion. Whoa. What does that look like from the context of God? I have no clue. But I can tell you, it'll be beyond anything you could ever begin to find one word to describe. I'm going to read some hard stuff here to you from uh, a book by an Anglican bishop, that's the Church of England, and his name is N.T. Wright. And I'm not supposed to read, I'm supposed to just talk and have eye contact with you all the time. But if you'll forgive me, I'm going to read, because this guy's smarter than I am. So you see, if Christians don't get Jesus right, or really understand, or experience or take the time to study and know the, Jesus, if, 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 you don't, if the Christians don't get Jesus right, what chance is there that other people will bother much with him? We have reduced the kingdom of God to private piety, the victory of the cross to comfort for the conscience, and Easter is a happy escapist ending after a sad, dark tale. Talking about, of course, his death on the cross. Are you getting what he's trying to say here in a different way? But, hey folks, let's, let's get with it. You see, the G, you see, the reason Jesus wasn't the sort of king people had wanted in his own day is that he was the true king. But they had become used to the ordinary, shabby, second-rate sort of king. They were looking for a builder to construct the home they thought they wanted. This is figuratively speaking. But he was the architect, coming with a new plan that would give them everything they needed. I know I'm reading to you, and I know this isn't easy. So I, I just suggest that you buy the book called Simply Jesus by N.T. Wright. W-R-I-G-H-T. Because you see, you're worth it. And if you want beauty on the outside, it starts with beauty on the inside. 
And you are worth investing in yourself. I used to also run a bookstore so you can feel that DNA coming through. They were looking for a builder to construct the home they thought they wanted, but he was the architect coming with a new plan that would give them everything they needed, but within quite a new framework. They were looking for a singer to sing the song they'd been humming for a long time, but he was a composer, bringing them a new song to which the old songs they knew would form at least, or at best, the background music. He was a king, all right, but he had come to redefine kingship itself around his own work, his own mission, his own fate. And T. Wright says, we need to get Jesus right. Well, you're a university student, so I hope you picked up most of that, even though I did the cardinal sin of reading to you from a book. Be readers. I try to buy a book a week. Me, me or my wife try to buy a book a week at our age. Secular or our, our religion, Christian. And we're hungry to learn. And I hope we are to the day that we uh, step into our eternal life. Which began the moment we said yes to Jesus. So there's peace in my life. And you can have, or, or you do have, that peace and if you do, you know what I'm talking about. So next slide. So, how have I become like the world, or in what ways have I assimilated into the host culture? Well, James Mark Comer, in his book, Tell No Lies, that Stephanie Chappelle recommended, for $1.99, and I hit buy on Amazon, and I had a book for a buck ninety-nine. I don't know how many of you know Stephanie Chappelle, but, you know, if, you got, if you're in a network and you, and you see deals like that, you want to... I mean, that's the top half of a McDonald's bun. You know, buck ninety-nine. That's about what that top part means with nothing on it, you know? And here you can get a book from a 60-year-old man that's footnoted and indexed in bibliography and has poured his life into it and has all kinds of readers and editors. Oh, I'm a bookseller. A book is a result. Ask, ask the authors back there, right there. Uh, would Eli and Mary Gautreaux please stand up here? These are people that have changed... So someday somebody will explain, just remember this couple, they have impacted the entire United States. And you say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, trust me, the entire country. They have a story they're not going to tell you, but you would sit here and be far more interested than me up here trying to speak. But I couldn't get them to talk. So they're just coming through, and they love you, and they pray for you. And, and uh, the te this team largely owes their presence here to that couple that are sitting right there. You need to know that. Uh, I won't make you do a standing ovation because you're not ready for that, but that's, they'll get one in heaven. And I hope you do too. Back to this. Okay, John Mark Comer. He says, hard power sparks a backlash. I'm reading what's on the slide. You can read with me because you go to college. You push too hard and people push back. 
Now, soft power is the ability to shape the preferences of others and the ability to attract, such as Hollywood. It's done more to change Western mores or style or, or how we think and move and act around sex, divorce, adultery, vulgar speech, and consumerism simply by making movies that are fun to watch. You know, the dominant theme in most movies, according to Dallas Willard, is very simple. It's two things, sex and violence. And you know what I said to myself, Eli? I look at movies for sex and violence. And I said, what did you just say to yourself? What did you just say to yourself? So I'm honest. Can you be honest? It's real quiet. It should be. I just flew here on a couple of airplanes, and everybody had their screen on. Uh, I didn't, but that's neither here nor there. And they're all watching the movies on the back, the seat back. On the airplane, there's movies on the backs of seats. And, and the plane I flew over had 177 movies from Frankfurt to, it, to uh, Detroit with Delta Airlines. 177 movies. Maybe one of them was worthwhile watching out of 177. There was sex and violence. And, and I can see screens all around me, people looking at them. Obviously, you're, you're packed in there. That's why I wear a mask. You're this far apart from the next person, the armrest. And I've had not had COVID because I'm trying to not get COVID, so I stay alive because I'm an old man. There, you just be honest with yourself. Like I was just right now with you. I'm a missionary. I'm a Christian minister. And what did I just tell you? That's pretty tough stuff to say out loud. And that, I changed in that second. I've never watched pornography because that would be to me like heroin or phenantol or whatever the current drug of choice is. I've never watched poverty, pornography. Those images will stay with you forever. That's intended that way. You are a puppet on a string by fashion, by whatever it is. And I don't like to be called that, a puppet on a string. Nor do you. Well, then you do something about it. And it's up to each of you individually. You do something about it. John, you'll never get through. The Advertising Industry from James K.A. Smith, Desiring a Kingdom. You should buy that book, too. The Advertising Industry also seeks to control our behavior, not through coercion, but consumerism, by appealing to our desires. Partly because it's so subtle, we miss it. And I take this off of Yahoo. I, I look at my thing, the provider or whatever, is kind of Yahoo News and sports and finance and all that. Here's an article last week from Yahoo. I take it off of the Internet. This is not something I made up. Four regular tickets to an ordinary seat at a Kansas City Chiefs game, two beers, two sodas, and four hot dogs. $820. That's what the article said. I'm not making that up. I'm not exaggerating. That's what the article said. So you just think about that. 
let alone the parking, the hotel, the whatever, uh, the $85 shirt of your favorite quarterback you hope doesn't go to jail. Like, I'm a Packer fan. If you've been watching the news, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because that becomes your gods. Whatever you spend the most of your time with thinking, that's your God. You set your heart and your mind on Christ Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, and that will help you be a Christian. And you just ask yourself, other than obviously studies and sleep, and you know, yeah, you know, you can figure this out in your thinking with me. But where is your mind mainly at? What turns you on? That's who you are. You know, in the olden days, we used to have what they called CDs or VHS, you know, uh, movies on in a plastic box. I never owned one, but you know what I mean? Those things you watch a movie with? If you have more of them than Christian books, well, what's the conclusion? Or you just do whatever you want. I'm not hollering at you. I'm just talking to you. I'm just, I told you about me. I desperately need God. Desperately. All the time. I confess that to you even though I have this title of who I am. I know me, and you know you. But you can do something about that. And we're going to get to that quickly, or I'm going to get kicked out of here. All right. So let's skip the next. Oh, let's read it fast. It all begins here. The unity of the Bible, or what the Bible's all about, is the development of life with God to make it a reality on earth in us. And it's centered in God's Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and lived a sinless life. And through Scripture, we hear God whispering down through the centuries, and Holy Spirit, speak right now to these people. And God is saying to you what you're reading up there, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. You're never alone again for the rest of your life. Now, I don't expect you to start crying here, but I hope sometime, somewhere, it hits you and it moves you. Next slide. A dwelling place for God. Remember, remember what, what God does in you, he wants to do through you. That's our theme. Now, all this struggling and learning to live with God has a rock-solid purpose to it. It's to transform us into the likeness and character of Jesus. And now I know a bunch of people that are not Christian that are far better than a lot of Christians I know. But if they knew Christ, they would be even that much more better. You know, that's the person that picks up garbage that nobody sees. That's the person that goes to an old folks' home and sits down and plays a piano or strums a guitar to people that never have a visitor. That's the people that, that, that just, just, ah, I got it. You've turned from just ego, me, to God, to the world. There you go. That's a good thought, John. Yeah, you've gotten off of you, which is, Difficult for me at age 18, 19, 20. Thought I was a pretty bright boy, flunking out of school, majoring in ping pong and minoring in pool. Did you hear that? And flunked out. 
and had to get on the honor roll just to pass and get through school. You turn from you. You want a mental wholeness? Turn from just navel-gazing and introspection to God and then reach out and touch somebody and help them and share with them and serve them and turn the other cheek. The, the rules in the inaugural speech that Jesus declared when he said the kingdom of God has come to this earth are impossible but for God. You know that. You know that. Oh, I got so many stories going in my head. Oh, man. So transform us into the likeness and character of Jesus. God's everlasting intent for human life is that we should be in every aspect a dwelling place for God. Well, then, if we're not, what's the next paragraph says? We are in God's time and in God's ways then to be set free from what you see a lot around you and certainly the movie selections, or the book selections, or what's in your mind. Because evil desires always want more. If you have the wrong desires, you will never be satisfied. And you're already starting to figure that one out. You got three guitars? Well, I need a fourth. My age, oh, I own two apartment buildings. Man, it'd be nice to have another one. So a fashion photographer, another Yahoo article, uh, with the billionaires, the richest people in the world, and they interviewed this lady who's a, a photographer to the richest people in the world. I read this article. I didn't, didn't know how, to, I don't know how to copy articles off the internet. I'm very, I'm just a baby at, in your world. I barely know how to message. I don't know about all those social programs that you want to get on and feel better about yourself or hope people, whatever, whatever the reasons you're on there for. Some is for news, but a lot of us to try to satisfy a longing that only can be satisfied in Christ, folks. I know I'm being repetitive, but it's true. Next slide. So we take on the spiritual fruit. You read it. Why don't we say it out loud? What time is it? Ooh, my time's up. I, I, just a couple more slides and I'll be done. We take on the spiritual fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness. Yeah. However, we can stop our growing in conformity to Christ at any point, for God in his sovereign wisdom has given you the veto power, free will, another word for free will. Uh, I pray tonight that some of you make some decisions you've never made before. So it's every day doing this. This uh, next one. This is my favorite one. This is this is the one that I'm going for tonight. Can you read that up there? Watch this progression. It's every day making the right decisions, starting with your mind, 
your thoughts, and, and of course embedded in that is your heart, which moves you to action, which becomes habits, which becomes your character. Think about that. I stole all this from other people. Nothing's original. Okay? Now I'll read the notes under it. I want you to get this slide. I want you to think about where you're at in this process. I want you to do a little check on yourself. So, the def definition of like discipline, it's the ability to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. That's almost worth writing down, which means I'll read it again. Discipline definition, ability to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And according to St. Augustine, the basic problem of the human condition is that of disordered desires or loves. Most people fail in the art of living, not because they're inherently bad. They just don't have the will to lead a better life. They fail because they don't wake up and see when they stand at a fork in the road and have to decide. And we stand at a fork in the road all the time with good... Desire is not a bad word at all. My goodness, we're all driven by desire. But there's good desires and there's bad desires. And that's the fork of the road. For every one of us. Every single one of us. Please, folks, make the right decision at the fork in the road. Another way I say it when I share with you people is the stop and go lights, right? If the light's green, if it starts blinking yellow, watch it in terms of actions and temptation and desires. If it turns red, stop. And then I say something that's so brilliant, people just fall on the ground. Are you ready? Because they tell me afterward and I laugh my head off. You ready? Here's my brilliant statement. Don't sin. Just don't sin. Just don't do it. And people say, that's brilliant. I thought, <laughs> just don't sin. Just don't, please, don't do that. Don't pay the consequences of that moment, which is, the Bible says, is for a pleasure for a moment. But don't do that. Because you always reap more than what you sow. The Bible says that too. It's true. Just don't do it. God help us. Okay, that's, that's my favorite slide. We'll go to the next one, and we have two more to go. The Heart of Apprenticeship to Jesus. This is probably a reread, but let's do it. The simple mechanism of mind to thought to action to habit to character to either slavery or eternal life is at the very heart of our theme tonight. The very heart of apprentice to Jesus. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. So a fuller statement of the great law of returns is, this is pretty cool. We should read this together. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Sow a thought and reap a deed. Sow a deed and reap another deed. Sow some deeds and reap a habit. Sow some habits and reap a character. Sow a character and reap two thoughts. Stop. I don't hear these guys talking up here. Now we're going to just do guys. I got to get these guys all on board. Maybe they have been. Maybe my hearing's bad. 
But anyway, we're going to do guys now. Next sentence. The new thoughts then pursue careers of their own. This simple mechanism of mind to thought, to action, to habit, to character, to either slavery or eternal life is at the very heart of it. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, guys. And thanks, ladies. Last slide. My last one. Good news, huh? Last one. Coming up. Click. Thank you. <laughs> what he wants to do through you. All this conforming, conforming, and transforming. That's pretty cute. Three rhyming words. In our hearts and minds and souls comes from this life that is beyond ourselves, but now available to us. So can the, the worship folks come up? Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, the Bible, the, the, the Bible that I believe in from Christianity says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's pretty wonderful. Eternal life is a source of power to us that flows into us when we come to Jesus. He is the one that makes it possible for us to even be changed and also gives us the ability to be different in the world and be life for him, his life, which means you have to stay connected to the source. If you're not connected, you won't make the right decisions, and you're going to slide. And the world has plenty of places where you can plug in to feel good, but it won't transform evil desires and fleshly desires that never satisfy. You're young enough to be my grandchildren. You got your whole life, if God gives you life, in front of you. And you have to make the choice. And some people came here from Texas because of that couple to give you the opportunity. They came knowing no one, and they came here for you. And somehow, someway, each of you have a story on how, how you ended up being here, even in this building tonight. And I thank you for coming. And I hope you're not disappointed, because tonight can be a transforming moment for every one of us, if we wish. So let's stand. And did Katie go home? No, she didn't go home. She was back there waiting for me to quit talking. Katie, you take it from here. You know what to do.